thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Zero. Blast off. Play the music. There we go. <laughs> hey, everybody. That was supposed to be funny. This is what we are, people. We are together. Yeah, we are. To be together. At Christmas time. It's not Christmas yet, but don't worry. It will be Christmas soon. The last light out was canceled. There's an unexpected snow. Sleeping in the terminal with the whole world headed home. To be together at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Here we go, people. This is Amy Grant, by the way, in case you didn't know. Oh, when you open up that door, to open million rooms of love and laughter, come in. Almost Christmas, right? Yeah, it is. I'm singing out this song till every lonely soul has heard. We're not alone because love has put his arms around the world to be together. Yep, what other faith does that, huh? At Christmas time. around again listen love is knocking wanting to come in to be together to be together Familiar rooms of love and laughter 
Why, why this song? I don't know. It just, you know how sometimes a song <laughs> gets in your head? Well, I was just shopping at Walmart online, and this song just popped into my head, and I'm like, I should go and play this on YouTube, because it just kept coming into my head. Were there Christmas specials going on for Walmart? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Not at all, people. Surprising, seeing it's only... September. <laughs> hundred and whatever days away. <laughs> hey, don't you like the message of that song? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Randall and I were talking. Very localized with headed down the, the 65. 65 yeah. And, well, yeah, maybe that's because we live in Tennessee, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Randall and I today, we were talking about how do we make this show more professional how do we make it more popular you were talking about <laughs> i'll make this show more professional and and one of the things i said is i shouldn't open up with a song and i should <laughs> and i shouldn't say hi to everybody i should just be sterile you know make this like a news show you know but but i thought you know what everybody else does it that way and maybe maybe god just wants me to be me yeah, I mean, people. Come on, we've got it. We've got the date and the time. We got our we got our ticker going across. I mean, got our got Christmas our music going. I mean, how much more professional do you want? I don't know. Professional talent, perhaps. <laughs> hey, as Rush Limbaugh would say, I have talent on high. From oh, he, God. he would say that he was talent on loan from God. Well, whatever. Well. So Randall beat me today at pickleball. Can you believe it? I can. I was there. I witnessed it. And I have I think my partner was two other off witnesses. Game. So. <laughs> what what Bareface fails to tell you, however, is I won every other game. <laughs> so, uh, it looks professional to you. Good. I'm glad somebody thinks so. Uh, well, our goal isn't to be professional or popular. Our goal is to just be us. And mm-hmm. pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And a blessing to all y'all. Yeah. So we were we were um, talking. How, have you guys ever had like philosophical conversations with one another? Like me and Bareface do. Like, what is truth? No. <laughs> we know the answer to that one. No, we were we were talking about how sometimes, you know, in life, you go, like, well, like, okay, like this morning, my pastor spoke out of Romans chapter one. He, he preached on the forbidden homosexuality chapter, you know. <gasps> I know. <laughs> so divisive. And you know, when he stepped outside from behind the pulpit and he said, homosexuality is a sin. I was, yeah, I did. I almost started to cry. I was like, yes, that's my pastor, J.C. Christian. Yeah, it is. Of course, I interviewed him before he became my pastor about that topic. So if he didn't do what, you know, <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> I'd be like, no. But in the in the sermon, which really he he did very he did a very um quick overview, really. If it was me, I was telling Randall, I would have just... well organized. It was well organized, but I'm, I... I am always impressed how he can give a good sense of a passage in 30 minutes. Yeah, well... I can't give a good sense of a verse in 30 minutes. Well, that's why I was saying if it was me, I would have went ahead and I would have ripped apart. I would have showed a whole after-the-ball presentation. <laughs> it would have been a seminar on this. However... That's not what his calling is and and all that. But but one of the things that stood out to me was, you know, he was talking about how raunchy TV has gotten. And he was talking about how even homosexuality is being promoted in, in commercials and, and all that. And I was like, wow, I haven't even seen that. Because you know why? Because I don't watch TV. I really don't. Ask Bareface. He turns the TV on. I'm like, whatever. And I go to sleep. Um and we, I mean, we don't have cable, so we're not throwing our money at that. But we do have Amazon Prime because we have Amazon Prime. But I don't ever watch That's... it. I don't watch the stuff. If somebody recommends a documentary or something, I might. But certainly no Amazon originals. No, every I... one of those is no. But I watch YouTube. I watch Calvary Chapel. Chino Hills. I watch Jack Hibbs. I watch JD Frog. Uh, I mean, really, those are like the top two people I watch on YouTube almost every day. And um, I listen to uh, a couple of other people too, like the Duck Dynasty guys. They have a, a fun podcast. So I listen to them too. But you know, it was just making me think of how little, how how little taste for the world I really have, especially when it comes to media. Um, and that's why I thought Earth will go strange. That's why I thought it was funny when I got the Nielsen survey for the oh. Nielsen ratings because it was asking me what my favorite TV shows and stuff were. It didn't even have a question on there. Do you watch TV at all? I'm like, nope. <clears throat> so, uh, but we know what's going on because we read the websites, we look at the news, and um, I just I have no desire to participate in that stuff and so anyway so randall and i were talking about you know how do you guys ever feel like you don't belong here like like on earth like you know you're just passing through as a christian right you do know that this this isn't our real home we're going to be going you know to the new place the afterlife where real life begins you know uh, the heavenly city yeah this is going to be amazing which will come down from from heaven and be established on the new earth. Yeah. So anyway, so we thought we'd share that with you. Also, I just want to share a couple of good news stories. Here's one. I don't know if you guys saw this, but over on World Net Daily, also known as WND, uh, there's an article that was just posted a couple days ago titled Mayor of Ashland, Ohio, Dedicates City to Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of you watch me in Ohio a lot of you are live in Ohio, and uh, so this is for you. Hundreds of Christians recently gathered in a field in Ashland, Ohio, as ministry leaders and elected officials called the people to prayer and repentance during the event. 
Rather, during the event, Ashland Mayor Matt Miller dedicated the city to Jesus Christ and County Commissioner Emmett Justice asked God to forgive the nation for its rebellion against him. As I stand before you tonight in the bright light of his son, to the extent I am able, I give this city of Ashland to the Lord Jesus Christ, Miller proclaimed. May this be a land where he rules supreme. May this be a land where his love is genuinely felt by believers and non-believers alike. According to Frontlines Ohio, 25 churches associated with the Ashland County Ministerial Association participated in the call to sacred assembly at Freer Field. The event was organized as a response to the ongoing COVID pandemic, as it was noted that people were looking to politicians for answers when they should be looking to the Lord. That's just part of the story, but it's enough. Isn't that cool, Bareface? Totally. Don't you think that's cool? I mean, I remember when here in Tennessee, we had somebody put before, I think it was the governor, to make the Bible the book of the state, and the Republican governor refused to do it. I thought, what a butthead. You know, we're in Middle Tennessee, the volunteer state, and... Not the current governor. Yeah, but but that person was such a... Ch- and he said he was a Christian. What type of Christian would not do that? I know, a unbiblical Christian. A chicken Christian. Pleasers of, pleaser of men rather than a pleaser of God. Yeah. Meanwhile... Over here, there's a spiritual awakening taking place in America as churches deal with the social distancing restrictions, according to CBNnews.com. In the face of the unrest and violent protests all over the country, a wave of revival is growing. Recently in Portland, Oregon, thousands of Christians lifted up their voices in prayer, praise, and worship for an event called Riots to Revival. It was an effort to heal the brokenness resulting from the pandemic. Just hours before, protesters had set fire to the city's police headquarters. Sean uh, Fucht, I don't know how to say that, has been a leader of the worship movement. It's fun watching God show up, Sean told CBN News. We've spent the last 15 years, I have, going into a lot of dark, hard nations around the world. North Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, and now we get to do it in our own nation. In Seattle, Washington, the area formerly known as CHOP or CHAZ has, has become a, a focal, focal, right? That right? Yeah. Focal point for protesters who took over the neighborhood earlier this summer. Demonstrators basically took over this part of the city following the death of George Floyd. A group recently tried to shut down a prayer rally there, but Sean, this guy, said the power of God took over. The Lord started to move even on some of the Satanists that came. God started to move. We were able to pray and minister to a lot of them. In California, where indoor worship services have been banned because of COVID-19 restrictions, churches have been discovering new ways to serve their communities. Pastor Mickey Stonier of San Diego's Rock Church shared on CBN's Prayer Link program how God is using the pandemic to the church's advantage. We've had 135 churches in San Diego come together. We had a prayer event at 11 different locations. We had over 15,000 people around San Diego or online. We called it Pray or We Pray San Diego. People prayed for an hour for the Lord's work for revival to take place in San Diego. In July, on the sandy shores of Huntington Beach, hundreds came together to worship, pray, 
and receive salvation as part of an event called Saturate OC. Many gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. Jesse Green, one of the event's organizers, told CBN News, people are just being set free, and there's so much joy and so much peace. And people are being set free from depression and suicidal thoughts, and it just feels like what God would always want the earth to look like. A similar outcome recently played out in Chicago, where deadly violence has been rampant. A ministry called The Last Reformation flooded the city through tent revivals and street evangelism. There were hundreds out on the streets, all different neighborhoods and areas, explained ministry leader Garrett Peterson. People have been really receptive. People are getting healed on the street. They were coming back to the tent, getting baptized, giving their lives to Jesus. Earlier this year, a prayer and fasting movement involving uh, 1,000 churches called Awaken Tennessee sparked a revival that lasted several months in the state. Pastors reported record salvations and mass miracles as a result of the Holy Spirit showing up and taking over services. These are all reasons why Sean Foyk, or however you say his name, hopes to take his mobile ministry to even more cities, including Boston, Los Angeles, and New York. God is going to flip the script on these cities that no place is too hard, no place is too dark. Can I get an amen and a hallelujah, and is that good news or what? See, you're not hearing this on the news, but what I can tell you, uh, just having, you know, even watching Jack Hibbs. Um, over at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, a lot is going on. And I know for me personally, I have taken this way more seriously this year than I did prior, you know, just, you know, the personal repentance and then praying for people, praying for the election, praying for pastors. Um, and even my own church last week, uh, our, our, I don't know what his official title is. I don't know if he's associate pastor, junior pastor. I don't know. Anyway, but he's like 30. He's like 30 something. A kid to me. I mean that in a nice way. Um, he is, uh, you know, him and his wife were both up there leading worship and, and you know, just praying and calling God, God's people to something different. And that's one of the things they they were talking about was, hey, you know, don't you think that God wanted this to happen to the church don't you think that god's trying to get the church to get outside the building to do things to pay attention in a different way and those people who are falling by the wayside well were they ever believers in the first place you know it's interesting um you know i watched i've watched uh, jack hibbs for many years anyway but it's funny last week he was not preaching because he was doing something with his family uh, and Dr. Frank Turek, uh, who wrote the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, as well as other books, um, and the fact that he was my very first guest on the show, he was the one speaking at the church. And it was notable to me that there was only about 1,200 people that were tuned in when Frank was teaching. He, he was, or, no, or was it somebody else? No, it was somebody else. It was a different apologist. Frank actually did a, a talk with Jack earlier this week. But anyway, the point is, the guy that was speaking, who I don't remember his name, there's like a thousand people tuned in. Well, when Jack Hibbs preaches and he's on, there's like 2,500 people that tune in online. And and I thought, you know, isn't it interesting that even, even during this time, the people proved 
to follow the man as opposed to just tune in to whoever the Lord would put, you know, to preach that day. And by the way, the guy that did preach was a really wonderful Christian apologist who was actually teaching apologetics on how to answer atheism and the critics of the Christian faith. So everybody should have tuned in anyway, because it was fantastic what that guy was talking about. Um, so, you know, so I see, you know, separating the, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the chaff, or wheat and tares, um, you know, and all that. And it's kind of cool for me to see you guys be so faithful and showing up when you do on a Sunday night, on a holiday weekend, uh, and all that. And so... Yeah, just saying, just saying, just saying. No, anyway. Let's give some shout-outs to those people. Yeah, go ahead. Over on YouTube, uh, Jerry Herb is there. and All right, Jerry. And Tracy is there. Hey, Tracy. Barb said hi. Wow, you guys are all over on YouTube tonight. Oh. I know Mama Gina's on Periscope, and I don't know why. Um, it's like, I don't know, Periscope's like, whatever. I look frozen over there. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's why there's, I show six people taking a place. Anyway, the bottom line is, yes, I believe wholeheartedly that there is a spiritual awakening taking a place, taking place in America. Um, And I do believe that the enemy is not happy because here he has tried to silence the church. And I think, I think the bones are getting, I think the the dry bones are going to, come back to life people and you know wouldn't it be interesting to watch these cities flip especially california oh i would love to see california knock out every single democrat in office that would rock the world (laughs) it would rock the world i mean it would not the republicans are gonna save the state or the nation. Yeah. Okay, why can't I see? Okay, maybe it's because I'm... No? But, there we go. All right. Now I can see. Anyway, but, but so... whatever letter after the name to, to unseat the ungodly. Yeah, whatever the ungodly are. I mean, it would be nice just to watch them get knocked out. But go... <laughs> and you know what? God can do anything. You know? See, this is the thing. Remember Satan thinks he's so smart, and he is. He's smarter than all of us are collectively, big time. So don't don't ever think that he isn't smart. But God's way smarter than de- than the devil is. See, Jesus, he was like, eh, go ahead, kill me. Wait, I know. I'll lay, I'll lay down my life. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks he's dead, and I'm sure Satan had a fun, fun couple of days until Jesus came back to life and went, ha, you're dead. Game on. <laughs> uh so yeah so how you guys doing you got anything planned for tomorrow you guys are you like are you gonna grill a hot dog are you gonna do something i'll tell you what i'm doing i'm working i have some one-on-one set up for my company you know i was like hey you guys it's labor day you sure you want to meet and they're like sure why not i don't i'm i'm self-employed i may as well (laughs) like okay so yeah so that's kind of what that's what i'm doing uh, by the way, speaking of that, I should tell you, first of all, I also want to say it looks like almost everybody here that is watching is one of our pillars of the community. So to you who are watching, thank you so much for donating to our show. Randall and I appreciate it more than you know. It really does help us out more than you know, especially since we don't long, we no longer have a sponsor. But I'm happy that 
We are now a nonprofit, so you guys get a tax break when you donate. And, you know, and I want to ask you if you would continue to donate. That would be awesome. Go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and the donation will go to our Heart Tug International uh, Umbrella Nonprofit Organization. Um, Maybe we should consider. Um, we should put stuff on the screen so people know. Implementing the uh, .org domain instead. Okay. Well, however it is that you, you, uh, you know, donate, we would like to. And I want to ask you, if you're somebody that watches the show all the time, please donate, you know, once in a while. That encourages me and Randall. Um, we live in faith every day. We don't, we're not employed by other people. <laughs> you know, we don't have a, a check-in job. We, we literally walk in faith every single day. And I am amazed at how God has provided for us. Um, we haven't filed for unemployment during this whole thing. We haven't, which is something not, which is something actually that, um, you know, they gave the ability for self-employed people to do that. We haven't done it. Um, we haven't, we didn't take any government aid. We, we could have, we didn't for uh, that. We did get the, the thing that they gave everybody. We did get that, but we haven't applied for anything. Um, and we're still, you know, eating and living indoors. <laughs> But we, we really would like, you know, to encourage those of you who, who watch to participate, you know, and, and consider it an act of worship like you would church, you know. I'm sure you could donate to your church once in a while. Um, so if you donate to us once in a while, that would be super cool. Also, don't forget, we have our Daily Disciples uh, Facebook group where every day I'm having some people come in and read the Word of God to you know, to the group and just share some thoughts. And that has been totally encouraging to me. You guys have no idea how much. Uh, so if you're doing that and you're one of my volunteers, thanks for doing that. And um, if you're not and you're in that group and you want to pick up a day and you want to read a psalm, you know, let me know. I'm still looking for, I think, two or three days I need a couple more people because I'm trying to get two people a day to do that. So Jerry is and Tracy is. Um, you know, that's watching here so far that I see. So thank you guys for doing that. Um, next Friday, Pastor Tommy Norman is going to be in the house. Uh, she's going to be our guest. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think that is pretty much it as far as announcements goes. So, um, I think that's it. So Bareface. Are you going to teach That's us? That's what they call me. That's what you call me mostly, but other people do now. Actually, a lot of people call you Bareface. Mm -hmm. you, you know how many people call, like, they'll be talking to me and they'll say, tell Bareface I said hi, or tell Bareface I love him, <laughs> or tell Bareface blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> I, when, when, pe when people, here's, you know, as a wife, this is my husband, people. Bareface is my nickname to my husband. And all of a sudden, everybody else is calling him Bareface. <laughs> I guess it's because I call him Bareface so much, so it's funny. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll roll with it. So Randall, you know, Randall, Kevin, Bareface, Harp. <laughs> uh, and you know what's really weird is I have quite a few people calling me beautiful. <laughs> like okay including me yeah i know it's just like all of a sudden you are beautiful like a diamond in the sun you 
beautiful. You're becoming brighter. Thank you. Oh. You and Michelle, thank you for that. <laughs> um. Anyway, so isn't that neat how we all rub off on one another? Like iron sharpens iron. All right, so are we going to be in Jude tonight? Yes, we are. Oh yeah, that reminds me, Still. Jude Bible study Tuesday night. If you're not, if you're not busy, join me on Tuesday night. All right. Message me, and I'll send you the email link. All right. Still making our way through Jude. Making our way back. <laughs> okay. And I'm I don't like, know why. See, is how you said it. If you didn't say making my way back, then I wouldn't have thought of making my way back. I didn't say way making back. my way back. It's I we're making our way through. Okay, but it just, you know, that song, Making My Way Back to You, Babe, right. with the burning love inside. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Did anybody else think that, or is it just me? Probably, yeah, pro just, probably just me. But unlike our pastor, who can take several verses and, and give a good summary of them, in 30 minutes with a good outline and alliteration and all that kind of stuff. God wants you to grow barefaced. I I still, you know, have to pick each verse apart, phrase by phrase, phrase by phrase, word by word, that kind of thing, because there's just so much there. Anyway. So Sharon had a cookout. Mm-hmm. Just so. so. Just so. Okay. All right. All right, so we're going to get back into this little epistle of Jude that we've been in for like two months, something like that. Okay. And uh, we're all the way up to verse 13 tonight. And I hope to get through verse 16 tonight because then there is a, a shift in the, in the content. I'm ahead of you in my study. And you do it every other week. How does that happen? I, well, because I... I'm gifted. Yeah. All right. Actually, I think it's because I started it before you. <laughs> or you're just long-winded. I think. I think that's probably it. Louder. Yeah. All right. So we're about to read the Word of God, study it, talk about it. So I I strongly encourage any time that you're about to read the Word or share it with someone that you do so prayerfully. That this is this is the Holy Bible, this is the inspired Word of God that has His fingerprints all over it, and there's um, you know I'm fond of saying though I didn't originate it that it's the only book that comes with its author, so why not approach the author for insight and understanding? So that's what we'll do right now. Father God, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, every good and perfect gift that you lavish upon us. Chief among those is Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, Christ himself, in whom we have salvation, in whom we have eternal life. And we are also thankful for this, your written word that has been preserved and prepared for us. We pray that we would have spirits that are receptive to your Holy Spirit. Uh, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, uh, that we might receive uh, what you have to say to the church. This time is yours, but belongs to you. 
uh, to use as you will for our good and for your glory. We ask it in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. And, Amen. And no, I don't think I'm more spiritual by saying Yeshua. It's just that when I learn to say someone's name correctly, you know, it's not in English, then I think it's only respectful, you know. So you think Jesus prefers Yeshua? I don't know. I just, it just... What do you mean you don't know? You're a friend of God, right? Yes. That was Moses. Um, but um, Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> just like the song. <laughs> Mostly my Lord, but also a friend. Because he said, you know. I call you but, um, Yeah. So, but... Like Gorbachev. You know, I wouldn't call him Michael Gorbachev. I wouldn't call him at all. I'd I would, like... but he's no longer living. Okay, you know? so yeah. Why you know? Gorbachev? I mean, what, uh, what is, why, why would that come? Because, why would that guy come to your mind out because, of all the people in the world? Because we might anglicize it and say Michael, but people don't say Mikhail. You know, we, we, we you know, in the news, Mikhail, Mikhail, Gorbachev. No one said Michael. You know, and then. And other... Don't you love um, this is what we do? And anyway. Does this ever irritate you people like it does me? It anyway. probably does. Like me and Randall. Really? This, you want to know what it's like to be married to Bareface and me? Anyway. This is pretty much I'm it. Just, I'm just saying because... Do you want to know what it's like to be in a car with Bareface? I am... We are, we're doing like 25 miles an hour. He's talking to people behind him because they're like coming up on his butt. And I'm like sitting there in a the car and I'm like, you know, they can't hear you, right? But anyway, I can. Yeah. I get to listen to this. I get to listen to you talk to people who can't hear you. And I'm sitting right here and wishing I couldn't hear you. All right. Well, <laughs> these people can hear me. And I anticipated the question. Oh, do you think you feel more spiritual saying Yeshua? No, I don't. It's like now I know how to pronounce his Did name. Did somebody bring that up to you, though? Why do you feel like this mm -hmm. need to defend why you say Yeshua as opposed mm -hmm. to Jesus? Anyway, I, it just seemed like it just entered my mind. And so, <laughs> like that song, I we thought, were all judgmental when I okay. said that. Anyway, I just thought I'd answer the question. I just, I just think Questions it's... Questions of who? Nobody asked you the question. Where is it? I didn't see it. Well, anyway, hmm. but I just thought see where he lives. that needed explaining. See? You see what goes on in that big, thick head of his, do you? All right. Okay. All right. I'll be quiet. I'm done teasing you. Good. Yeah. All right, so we've been in this epistle. Of... I killed him on the pickleball court today, people. Yeah, I did. We've been I in wiped this... the floor clean with bare face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. You know how many steps I have compared to how many steps he has? He has way more steps than me because I was just standing there going, dink, and he couldn't get it. <laughs> okay, I'll shut up. All right. And now it's time for Bible study, people. It's time to be serious about God's holy word. All right, I'm done. You're, 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 <laughs> you can't see what I can see. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, we've been in this epistle of Jude. And for those of you who are new to the epistle, just real quick summary. Jude writes to believers 
and he tells them to contend earnestly for the faith, to get serious with it uh, like a professional athlete does about their sport so that they'll be prepared for people, false teachers, that secretly creep in uh, to the congregation believers. And he's described them in many ways, uh, comparing the outcomes of their error to Old Testament events. Uh, he's talked about their inner motivations. He's talked about how to recognize them um, in, in ways to ID them. And that's where we were um, last week when he described them as the hidden rocky reefs at your love feast, waterless clouds carried around by winds or carried along by winds, and then fruitless trees in, autumn, in late autumn, specifically, doubly dead, uproot, uprooted, talked about that. And um, tonight we're going to come in at verse 13, which was my notes. Where's the scripture? There we go. Uh, verse 13 tells us that these people are wild ways of the sea, foaming up their own shame. Have you, are you going to use pictures like I did in my study? Um, I, had, I hadn't planned on it. No. People like pictures. So like, uh, like white-capped waves kind of thing? Is that what you used? That's what I did. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm just going to... I also use rocky reefs. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did, and I found barren trees as well, and I shared those with people. Mm. Very good. Well, <laughs> see, you're just that much better than I am. Well, I'm more visual, I think. Okay. So, wild ways of the sea, foaming up their own shame. There are ways of the sea, and then there are wild ways of the sea. Uh, you know, the usual ways of the sea can produce a calming sound. I don't know if you've ever tuned in one of those, you know, you had one of those, ocean, those sound, you know, nature sound machines. And you can you dial up waves of the sea, you know, ocean waves. And uh, you can buy CDs and stuff. There are channels on, like, Pandora and, and uh, Calm Radio and other streaming services that have, you know, the ocean waves is a calming thing. Uh, you know, the, the usual waves, the the normal everyday waves, can be soothing uh, sound. They can wash interesting things ashore, messages in a bottle, or you know, seashells, things like that. Uh, they even provide rec recreation. You know, for some people like surfers and you know other water sports. So there are ways of the sea. Then there are wild ways of the sea, and the wild ways of the sea are, you know, storm-driven, wind-driven, dangerous ways. You know, white caps, you know, because he talks about foaming up their own shame. The ones with the, the foam um, that we see usually on the crest of a wave, that's because it's wind driving it, and there's water spray that catches the light. And, you know, white caps, that's, they're seen as dangerous because it means they're wind-driven waves. Uh, you know, the, the normal waves are predictable with the Earth's rotation and the gravity of the moon that, you know, and gentle, typical winds that, uh, but then there's the, you know, the storm-tossed uh, 
wild waves of the sea with their big crests and their valleys and you've seen that stuff like i've never watched deadliest catch but i've seen is it deadly catch or deadliest catch i don't know i never watched it see i think it's about alaskan fishermen or something like that but i've seen the you know the trailers and the promos for it so maybe you yourself have been out there in the wild ways of the sea and you know that it's um pretty crazy they're unpredictable they're unstable and so these false teachers and these carnal leaders um like the wild ways of the sea can put on an impressive show you know very dynamic but just as you know strong winds create the white camped waves uh the energy that is exerted by these people uh to make a name for themselves or deceive others is working uh, to their shame before the lord you know the, this wild activity in the foam they're creating these white caps they're creating figuratively you know, they're foaming up their own shame and what ran, ran across my mind is Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. And I probably should have had that prepared for you. But reading from the New King James, Paul writes, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patience continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. And so I was thinking, you know, these 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 people are, are are wild ways of the sea foaming up their own shame you know the more the more energy that goes into it like the stronger the winds uh the the more they're building up their own shame they're treasuring up wrath for themselves um you know and that's the whole point when you're reading romans it's 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 the goodness of god that leads to repentance when we realize how wicked we are we realize that the goodness of god his, his the forgiveness that he offers in messiah in christ that that is the goodness of that is the goodness of god that god made him who no knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him when we see our sinfulness and his holiness and yet his grace that is extended to us it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But to those who reject that free gift and continue in their sinfulness, their hardness and impenitent heart, as, uh, as, uh, as Paul says, you know, they're storing, they're treasuring up or storing up for themselves wrath and the day of wrath and revelation because it's like all there is the opportunity to have all this forgiven and yet to reject God's free gift his gracious gift of salvation and continue in this is just like we have a bank account and we can have our bank account of sin emptied out so 
you know, that we don't no longer have a, a deficit balance for God, or we can just keep on in our own selfish pursuits. <laughs> Hearing all this typing over there. Um, so Tracy sent me a text message. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear it? Uh, it sounds like you want to share it with us. Well, does Tracy want you to share it? This, this is the, this is, so she's basically telling me to stop picking on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all in fun. Really? People? Okay. Hey, I'm going to cut you off my cell phone. Did I, you know, give you my number so you can harass me? Okay. Anyway, carry on, people. Carry right. on, bareface. I will. <laughs> so. <sighs> so yeah, in the same way, you know, the the more energy they put into it, in their own selfish pursuits, that you know, it's it's an impressive show. Great, they're they're wild ways of the sea, but they're foaming up their own shame. Because uh, in the end, you know, unrepentant, and we read that they are, they are fruitless trees in late autumn, doubly dead and uprooted. I mean, these trees aren't bearing any fruit. Uh, Yeshua said, "You can, you know, you'll you'll know them by their fruits." These these are like fruitless. Not come late autumn, they still haven't borne any fruit because they're doubly dead and they're uprooted. They have no connection with the Lord, and so. They're foaming up their own shame. Um, you know, it's like, I think about alcohol. You know, you can you can have a, hey, I started drinking when I was 13 and stopped drinking at age 21 because the Lord came into my life. But, you know, I could walk away from that even though I had been drinking for eight years. Um, there was there was a chance to be redeemed from that. Had I continued in a life of alcohol abuse, it would have been, you know, hard on my liver. And and at any one time, you can drink so much alcohol that it kills you, you know, with blood poisoning. And because of a, of a buildup. And, you know, similar thing, kind of thing with... With self-seeking, uh, you know, seeking of pleasure that, you know, storing up um, wrath um, in the day of wrath and the revelation of righteous, the righteous judgment of God. Anyway, I don't know if that made sense or that was a good analogy. All right, but then another metaphor that Jude uses He's besides wild waves of the sea. He says they're wandering stars uh, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. So, wandering stars, why that language? Well, that term in the Greek, um, uh, asteres planetes, or planetai, plural there, yeah. Uh, Astaris planetai is the term that ancient Greek astronomers used for the planets uh, or, you know, object of the night sky that, you know, had star-like appearance, but not, uh, but 
wandered through the sky during the year. Wandering stars is, well, this one, <laughs> wandering stars is the right uh, translation. And if you look at writings of the ancient Greeks, that's what they called planets. And in English, we've shortened it, uh, you know, the stars wandering or wandering stars. It's backward in the Greek to, to English, stars wandering, astares planetai, um, stars, anyway, wandering, wandering stars, uh, we've just taken the, the planetai and shorted to planet. Um, do you want to say something? No, I just, no. sounds like, sounds like you're grabbing the microphone and getting ready to speak and so. Okay, she's got a team meeting to go to, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. So wandering stars, planets, basically. And so why, why, why refer to these false teachers and false leaders, you know, these selfish uh, leaders as planets, basically? Well, it's because well before the time of Jude, uh, navigation by the stars was commonplace, especially in the northern hemisphere, where there were, where there is still, there's Polaris, the northern star, which is pretty much over the North Pole, so that, um, you know, night after night, the rotation of the Earth. Uh, the stars you can expect in the same position uh, in the night sky, especially the North Star, Polaris, it appears to be in a fixed position from in relation to the Earth and its rotation. So navigating by the stars was, um, you know, fairly common, both at sea and on land. Uh, you know, they could... Even even today, I believe, and I could be wrong, that pilots are pilots of of aircraft are are uh, trained to, if necessary, navigate by stars. You know, in case all equipment goes out, navigational equipment equipment goes out. If they're out at night, anyway, you know, especially like if you're over the ocean or something like that, and and, you know, you can't, don't have the sun to guide you, that you can navigate by the stars and the position, and you can even determine the position that you have, where your position is on the earth, by, one, the position of the of Polaris, the North Star, because, you know, its, its elevation over the horizon is, equates to your latitude above the equator now if you're south of the equator in the southern hemisphere there isn't a a polar star um, by which to guide yourself but the stars are you know relatively fixed in position even though you know they go over the horizon you know rise in the east set in the west they're still along the same you know latitude in the sky uh, because the stars are fixed in position. Uh, you won't find any 
any rules on, uh, you know, any training on navigating by the planets. Well, because <laughs> the planets, as the ancient Greek called them, wandering stars. They're not fixed in a position. And I got to wondering, well, you know, um, how, how, how many days of the year, you know, can we see planets in the sky? You know, the, the visible planets, you know, with, with the naked eye, we can see Venus, uh, we can see Mars and Jupiter, um, and sometimes Saturn, if you're looking really close. And so I looked up that question. I thought this was interesting. Um, and someone had answered on Quora, Chris Bond, who answered this question on April 2nd of this year. And you probably can't see this tiny type, so I'm going to bring up the visible reading and uh, the, the reader view so you can see this text. And I'm going to skip down. Um, let's go here. I'm not going to rehold things, so, but this gives you an idea. Uh, Venus is visible in the evening sky for around six or seven months, and then with a gap of only around three weeks, is visible in the morning for another six or seven months. For about three months, it is behind the sun and not visible. Um, Mars, being the next planet in increasing orbit from the Earth, is easily visible for about half its orbit. Uh, which from Earth, Mars goes into opposition every two months, two years. Mars is visibly seen for about one year, and then the next year it is so close to the sun and hard to see. Mars will have an opposition in October this year. Uh, Mars will be visible in the morning from March opposition, and then will be visible in the evening for another six months, from October 20 to April 2021, and then it will be hard to locate as it's close to the sun. Anyway, Jupiter is visible for around eight months of the year, followed by five months, where it's too close to the sun to be visible. Saturn is also uh, visible for around eight months of the year, etc. So you, so you get the idea that when it comes to the stability and reliability of the planets, I mean, you you can you can calculate the the orbits of the planets and where they'll be. Uh, in the night sky, what time of year, or if they'll appear in the night sky at all, if you'll be able to see them. Um, but from a navigational point of view, <laughs> there's there's no navigating by the planets because you know sometimes they're visible, sometimes they're not, um, etc. So when James calls these folks wandering stars, aka planets, uh, you know the idea is that they're they're undependable they're unreliable you know they're not standing on a particular doctrine that they're you know you can't hold them to anything that they're um they're unstable people and you compare that to the lord and the things of the lord like james says you know, every good and perfect gift is from above from the father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, Yeshua, Jesus, uh, through John, uh, 
in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, tells John to write to the church of the Laodiceans, and he says, these things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness of the beginning of the creation of God. And we read about, you know, that he is faithful and true. And if you, speaking of God's word, read Psalm 119 sometime and look at all the references to how God's commandments, God's precepts, uh, God's instruction are reliable and faithful and true and dependable and unchanging. And, and so that is Jude's contrast here that, my goodness, it's almost eight o'clock, uh, that, well, I'm going to go past the top of the hour. You've been warned. I'm going to go past the hour so we can get through, uh, verse 16. But so these, these, um, these people are planets, um, aka wandering stars, using the the ancient Greek in the Bible. Is the New Testament is written in Greek, um, and so using the word for planets, wandering stars. So in terms of navigation, that you can, uh, you know, uh, in the world of travel navigation by land or sea, you can depend upon the stars, not the wandering stars, the planets, but the fixed stars, in the same way in spiritual guidance and travel in your spiritual journey. Uh, you can look to the Lord, you know, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can look to his His teachings, his words, which are stable or and true and reliable. Or you can look to these these false teachers who are all over the map and you know uh before i I was against it before i was for it i was for it before i was against it or or that's no that's not what i meant and uh look look at the predictions of the jehovah's witnesses uh to you know the return of christ well we didn't mean we didn't mean really the return it was not a physical return it was it was a spiritual return well it was an invisible return it was a you know to keep naming these dates on the return of christ and just it's just you know it's all over the map undependable all right and in a nice little sort of poetic poetic justice or or kind of a play in words um Jude says, you know, the wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. And, and that's, that's spot on. Yeshua, Jesus talked about, you know, hell into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, uh, that it's apart from everything that God is. Um, God is light. It's in darkness, you know? And so in its, you know, outside of God's presence is is ultimately uh, the gloom of utter darkness, and that's been uh, reserved forever. And is he saying that forever it has been reserved, like from the beginning of time, or that it's going to last forever? I think going to last forever, because Yeshua Jesus tells us very plainly that that the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. It wasn't designed for people, and it's an e eternal fire. Um, in that same passage, um, in Matthew 25, I believe, um, Yeshua says that 
uh, you know, depart from me into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he's speaking that to human beings, that it was prepared for the devil and his angels, but it's the everlasting fire, it lasts forever. So, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever, it's not like it was had their name on it. It that place created for the devil and his angels um, is reserved forever. And for those who have rejected, uh, who have rejected the Lord, that is their ultimate destination. And a little word on that, you know, people think that that the Bible teaches that one will go to hell and end up in the lake of fire uh, because they don't put their trust in Messiah, in Christ, in Jesus, in Yeshua. And that's not what Yeshua, Jesus said at all, John chapter 3. He said, those who do not believe are condemned already. That is the, that is the, that is the default position of human beings by nature we are children of wrath um there is an age of accountability the bible doesn't spell that out but it's clear about children going to the presence of the lord but w whatever point it is where and the righteous judge will judge rightly where we have had the opportunity to accept or reject his free gift of salvation if we reject it, then we continue on the path we're on. By nature, children of wrath, headed for eternal separation from God. But God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, delivered from that default position. So, um, yeah. It's like, if <laughs> I hear this, heard this question in... Uh, and, and and juvenile detention ministry a lot. Kids will ask, well, if I smoke this much pot, if I do this, will I go to hell if I do this? Will I go to hell if I do that? Thinking that somehow you can, there's a certain amount of bad deeds that will end you up in hell. And I have to set them straight. No, it's not if you do this, you're, you will go to hell. You are going to hell unless. Uh, by nature, it's natural in our human selfish nature separated from god by default we are headed to hell unless it's not something we can do it's something that god has done and in giving us eternal life this life is in his son that god extends the free gift of eternal life to us and if we take it then we are delivered we are saved uh out of the way um out of the trajectory that we were headed um Life without God, eternally separated from God, is natural. We are by nature children of um, wrath. Being born into God's family, being born again by adoption, accepting his free gift of salvation, that's supernatural. We become, um, we're by nature children of wrath. By supernature, by the supernatural, we become children of God. Anyway. Make sure I'm not ignoring people out here, looking on Twitch, looking on Facebook. Oh, I don't have the uh, uh, Periscope broadcast up. I always do that later on. Uh, okay, looking over there. Hey, people on YouTube. 
Yeah, Francis tells us uh, fake teasters. Yeah, Jesus alerted us. Yeah, indeed he did. Uh, Paul alerted us. Jude alerted us. Peter alerted us. Um, definitely. Well, actually, you know, going back to the Old Testament, um, even the books of Moses, you know, going back to the Pentateuch, the, the Torah, that were warned against false prophets, and etc. All right, so, so in that little sort of twist of fate, that they're wandering stars or planets for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. All right, verse 14. It was about these people that Hanukh, if you want to get Hebrew about it, but I'll spare you, I'll say Enoch. Um, the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with myriads of his Kedushim. This is the Tree of Life version, by the way, which uh, uses a lot of Hebraicisms. So Kedushim, the Holy Ones. And that's what the underlying Greek says. It's just a Hebrew translation of the Greek. Um, Behold, the Lord came with myriads of his Kedushim, or holy ones, uh, to execute judgment against all. He will convict all the ungodly for their ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way, and for the harsh things ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, believe it or not, this is a controversial passage. What? Because we don't create? No, because Jude says that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, uh, prophesied, saying. And there's some debate on whether or not Jude here is quoting from the book of Enoch, or first Enoch, or something else. And some people say, well, because um, we don't know what he's quoting from, and if he is quoting from some apocryphal book, then then Jude is, then Jude shouldn't be accepted. Jude is should be disregarded. Enoch should be disregarded, and you know the, we we can't even be sure of the authorship of Jude and toss it all out, baby, with the bathwater. There are others that can't decide whether or not Jude is quoting from something called the first book of Enoch, which we find uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls being a collection of ancient Hebrew manuscripts uh, dating to, um, whoops, dating um, like uh, to um, the oldest ones, I don't know, I want to say... 3rd century B.C.? I don't know. No, not 3rd century B.C. Um, anyway, certainly before the time of Christ. Um, these scrolls and jars, and we could go on and talk about that. Um, but suffice it to say, uh, for a long time, you know, the, the reliability of the New Testament was known uh, because we have so many complete copies of the New Testament throughout the years, uh, not only in the original Koine Greek, but translating other languages that we can compare, and we compare the newest, you know, writings with the oldest uh, manuscripts that we have, and find them to be um, 
pretty much identical. Sometimes some spelling errors between them or just spelling differences of things. Sometimes a transposition of words here and there. But we can, even non-believers can say that this document, even though we may not believe in the content that things are purporting, we can say for certain that it has been, um, uh, what's the word, uh, just preserved, uh, well-preserved through the ages. It hasn't lost stuff in translation or has been copied wrongly, and we have no idea if this compares. We've got centuries and thousands of copies of the, the New Testament uh, to know that it was transmitted accurately, copied accurately throughout the nearly two millennia. That wasn't true of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Old Testament for so long. It, um, we didn't have any really old copies. The earliest copies we have were like from the Middle Ages. And so even though they're older books and have been transmitted, you know, by hand, copied for uh, millennia, uh, there wasn't that sort of um, hard evidence that the ancient, ancient copies were what we have today. And then there was the, the dis discovery, I can speak, of the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, you know, on, on animal skins in jars buried in a cave. And I believe, and others believe, that these were the discards. Uh, it wasn't right to burn... Um, even if there were copying errors, it wasn't right to get rid of these things because a lot of it was correct. You know, if you, if you made a misspelling or something, it, it wasn't good enough to be the word of God to be used in, in daily use in the synagogue anymore, but you couldn't destroy it because it, you know, had the name of the Lord on it. And so it had to be given a proper burial. And I think, um, I think another I'm not a scholar, but some scholars believe that that's what some of these these Dead Sea Scrolls were. And that's why we find some misspellings and stuff like this, because these were the discards that were given a burial. Anyway, they're really old, <laughs> centuries old, and they compare, uh, in many cases, most cases, identical to the Old Testament uh, Hebrew scriptures that we have today. So while there was... Um, a just kind of taken on faith that this has been properly preserved or accurately preserved throughout the ages. The Dead Sea Scrolls was a great discovery to find these ancient manuscripts and find them comparing to what we have today. Like, oh wow, okay, now we have that hard evidence just like the New Testament had. So, anyway, the reason I give all that background is because uh, among those scrolls that the Essenes kept, and I'm not going to go into history who the Essenes were, but uh, these people that hang out by the Dead Sea, among the Old Testament scripture were some other writings, uh, Hebrew writings, and one of these was is the uh, books of Enoch, first and second book of Enoch. And so... While while not um, considered in the canon of scripture, as like there is a thing. Did Jude was Jude quoting from that or not? But when you look at when you compare the English translations of Jude's Greek, which we just read, um, pull that up again. 
Well, that's not it. Duh. That's my notes here. <laughs> you know, it was it was about these people that Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam. If you go back to Genesis and look at the generations and Adam and Seth and so on, Enoch was the seventh. Hanoch, if you want to get Hebrew about it, is the seventh generation from Adam. Okay, and and Jude quoting apparently. Behold, the Lord came with myriads of his holy ones to execute judgment against all. He will convict all the ungodly for all their ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way and for all the harsh, ungodly things ungodly sinners have uh, spoken against him. If you look at an English translation of First uh, Enoch chapter 1, verse 9, uh, written in Hebrew, of course, but in English translation, um, we read, Behold, he comes with the myriads of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to destroy all the wicked and to convict all flesh of all the wicked deeds they have done and the proud and hard words that that wicked sinners spoke against him. <laughs> it's like, if that's... If that's not a quote, I don't know what is. I mean, that's almost, although in different languages, you know, translated English, it's almost verbatim. And it reminds me of of when Paul uh, quotes the Old Testament versus the writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, and I don't believe it was Paul. One of the reasons is, um, there, are, there are several reasons, but one of them is the the Old Testament quotations. The writer of Hebrews, quoting the Old Testament, quotes verbatim from the Septuagint, or the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was prevalent at that time. Just verbatim, word for word, those quotations are in there. When Paul refers to the Old Testament, as he often does, it doesn't, it's not writing in Greek, it doesn't it's not a verbatim translation of Septuagint, even though that was, um, even though that was present. You know, he was a contemporary of the other New Testament writers. It was, you know, the the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, was completed in like two hundred BC, something like that. So it had been around for a long time. So, but even though Paul probably was familiar with it because he spoke Greek, as we see in in the Book of Acts, Luke records that. But Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin and studied under under Gamaliel. And so Paul was most familiar with the Hebrew scriptures. And it's almost, I get it, like when he, my impression is when he's writing, quoting the Old Testament, he thinks about it as he knows it in Hebrew. And then he gives his own translation in Greek because he's writing in Greek to a to a Greek reading audience, because Koine Greek was the trade language of the first century. Anyway, so so in a very similar way, um, Jude is writing in Greek his epistle, but he's quoting a Hebrew scripture. So it's not going to be word for word thing because uh, the Book of First Enoch isn't wasn't available in in Greek. And so he's writing in Greek, so um, Jude, familiar with the Hebrew writing of the first book of Enoch. But yeah, as I say, just look at the English translations. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, whatever, that he was, uh, 
um, quoting from First Enoch chapter 1, verse 9. Well, what does that mean? Is that saying that the book of First Enoch should be part of the canon of Scripture and somehow it was left out? Some people take it to that degree. What I think is, is that Jude understanding, his understanding that people were familiar with First Enoch, that they, I mean, why bring it up if, uh, just like he'd brought up about uh, Mikael, Michael, the archangel, uh, you know, disputing about the b body of Moses, we don't find that, and in scripture and we talked about that and how some people well he was referring to the body of the body of Moses really means the law and there are different views on that and and some suggest that he might have been quoting from this thing called the assumption of Moses but it's it's not even really close but I don't know we don't know I mean so whatever whatever source um that Jude was using there, it was something familiar to his audience. It's not a stamp of approval, just like Paul was um, uh, when uh, debating or really discussing with the people on the Aragopagus on Mars Hill. And he says, as even one of your own poets has said, you know, in him we live, move, and have our breathing and in him we live move and have our being was he was paul giving his stamp of approval on greek poetry that it's that it's scripture no he was using something that was familiar to them and relating it back to the gospel and to the truth of god that the god they had a temple the unknown god and related that to the known, the true and living God. And similarly, he took something familiar from their culture, this poet, and used that, just one of your own poets said, you know, becoming all things to all men, but th that he might by all means win some. So, obviously, I think that the book of First Enoch, and this is no doubt a quote from First Enoch, chapter 1, verse 9, is not necessarily... Uh, Jude giving a stamp of approval on it, saying that, you know, this really should be uh, part of the canon of Scripture, that, um, to me, it's, hey, this is something that's familiar to my audience, they're familiar with this writing, and it and relates, um, and relates to this, because um, even, even if you're going to go back to you know, the time of Enoch, even though it seems that Enoch was written after the, the Torah, after the, you know, books of Moses. Uh, it's something that preceded um, Jude. It was written before, uh, hundreds of years before uh, the New Testament, so it was familiar to the audience. But it makes the point, uh, just like those false teachers who are wild ways of the sea foaming up their own shame you know that that gloom of darkness has been reserved forever that their activities uh, because their continued rejection of god um, that their destination just like paul wrote uh you know about pardoned and penitent hearts storing up wrath for the day of wrath 
uh, Jude writing says, hey, you're familiar with this, and it ties in similarly, that behold, the Lord came or is coming with myriads of his holy ones to execute judgment on all. He will convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way, and for all the harsh things ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And uh, why not? Let's do verse 16 here. But these are belly-aching grumblers, following after their own desires. Their mouth speaks grandiose things, showing favoritism for the sake of gain. So, we looked in previous verses how ultimately they're, they're out to make a name for themselves. They're, they're looking to... Um, you know, uh, uh, boast. You know, they boost themselves up. You know, they're they're self-seeking. Even in the love feast, you know, you'll find them in your love feast. They're like those hidden rocky reefs, uh, tending to themselves. I mean, they'll they'll talk the talk, but they're not walking the walk. If you watch them, everything they're doing isn't for someone else's benefit. It's for their own benefit ultimately, and and. Uh, Without naming names, you know, to get their own jets and, you know, to name their ministries after themselves and, you know, whatever. Um, but he says they're, they're, these are belly-aching grumblers. You know, how many, when you were a kid, a parent told you, stop your belly-aching. Or you've said that to a child. Uh, you know, this whining, barely eating crumblers. When they when they grumble about something, when they got something to complain about, it's basically they're not getting their way. They're belly aching. That well, this isn't. These are the people that will ultimately, even though they'll creep in secretly, and you know, slowly start doing stuff. Um, they're going to be the ones that are causing division they're now now if the leadership of a congregation is unbiblical you know and they're confronting that that's one thing but it's usually not that it's like well this carpet isn't conducive and when this and this kind of we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't be doing that no i don't like it when this is that and oh i don't like these kind of lights and i don't and these people shouldn't be doing that and i don't think it's fair that such and such and create these divisions. Uh, they're belly aching grumblers following after their own desires. Um, that's ultimately they're they're out for themselves. Um, their mouth speaks grandiose things again, like those waterless clouds uh, driven about by the winds. It looks like they're gonna deliver something. But after they're blown over and they're gone, they didn't bring any rain. They didn't bring any spiritual nourishment. It's like they worked up a good show. Oh, yeah, they did. It's like, oh, it was this emotional thing. And, oh, didn't they They speak great things? And, oh, there was a, there was a mighty, mighty move of God because people got all emotional and pumped up. But what was their relationship with God afterward? The attendees, you know, they might build up followers for themselves, but they're not making disciples, as Yeshua told us to do. Um, you know, the, the, their mouth speaks grandiose things, and it sounds it sounds good, you know. Uh, 
you know, glittering generalities or whatever. And like, wow, such a man of God, such a woman of God. But then at the end, it's like, well, what, what did they actually say? What are they, how, how has my relationship with God improved by anything that I've just heard or, or what they've just done or, you know, the songs they sang, the miracles they performed or whatever? What is the state of the church you know, with a capital C, after their ministry. You know, are people walking closer with the Lord, or what? You know, um, something to watch out for. And now there are times that they really seem to care about other people. You know, even though those the, they're hidden reefs, you know, or hidden, yeah, <laughs> hidden rocks, um, uh, you know, along the reefs, um, at the love feasts, you know, tending only themselves, they are be- belly and grumbles, grumblers. Sometimes it seems like they'll care about people and, and be outward focused, but showing favoritism for the sake of gain. When they seem selfless when it seems like oh there are you you know speaking well of other people uh you know it's uh you're you're so gifted or whatever you know it seems like you're being selfless instead of selfless instead of selfish you know follow the money basically follow you know why are they doing it they buttering someone up to get something out of it or is it truly selfless and loving Again, Yeshua, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. If if the person, you know, seems to be selfless, you know, watch who they're doing that with, who they're being so nice to, and consider why they might be doing it. And I don't think it takes long for, for them to be exposed that they're showing favoritism Strictly for the sake of gain, what they can get out of it. All right. I'm going to stop there because verse 17 uh, takes a little bit of turn in direction. And then there are uh, exhortations and encouragements to us. Um, he's done talking about um, these, these false teachers. Uh, false prophets and and uh, bad leaders that come in secretly and end up leading lots of people astray uh, to not only their own destruction, but the destruction of many who have been led astray by them. So, Zombie Master over there in Periscope and uh, all y'all on YouTube and... Um, Whoever y'all are on Facebook, you haven't said anything, but I see you watching. I see you watching. I'm looking at the screen that's got the Facebook broadcast on it. I see you watching. And uh, over on Twitch, oh, there's a viewer on Twitch as well. But uh, thanks for uh, joining me. Hopefully this has been helpful to all Uh, y'all. It encourages me to look out. Uh, for these people who would secretly creep in and cause division and lead people astray 
and and not and not be so not be t- too cautious or f- afraid of offending someone you know like i said i've i've decided if someone visits our congregation well the first thing is we're going to ask them is how did you come to know the lord you know i want to hear their testimony um Rather than, you know, small talk, oh, which is nice too, you know, I'll ask them, you know, where are you from, how'd you hear about us, you know, about your family, your occupation, that kind of stuff. Before they've visited, you know, five or six times, I want to make sure that they've got a testimony for the Lord. I mean, it's great that people come to church and get saved, but the congregation of believers isn't, isn't for evangelism. Uh, evangelism is something that's supposed to take outside the place of the fellowship of believers. Uh, we go out and and preach the gospel, and the Lord draws people to himself, and when they become believers, members of his body, then they're brought into the fellowship and discipled. Um, I want to make sure that people coming into the fellowship of believers are believers, you know, not not these false teachers or you know false leaders, not not witches or warlocks or any other thing, you know, any other person coming in to cause disruption. I'm, I'm. This is serious business. I'm. I want to make sure people are coming into a fellowship, are can participate in fellowship. They're truly believers, and um, some will come in secretly. They may, you know, they may have a. They testimony. They may talk the talk, but I think it's important to watch their walk and and see what motivates them and see what comes out of, you know, if they bear any fruit of all at all. If it's bad fruit, it's self-seeking. Then, you know, they need to repent or they need to get out. Just saying. All right, I'm done. Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace, and as your sweet and lovable host, my beautiful bride would say to you, be bold, (laughs) be bold people, stand up, most importantly, go with God, because he loves you, he wants the best for you, in all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths. Hand your life over to him. He's the one who truly loves you. Follow him, and we'll see you, Lord willing, uh, Friday this week. Good night. Goodbye.